You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Friday, January 20th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning, live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week. Get excited. We are on the eve of the first UFC pay-per-view of the year, UFC 283. The weigh-ins wrapped up about an hour ago. Everybody who is on the card scheduled to compete made weight. Alexander Pantoja, the backup fighter for the co-made event for the flyweight title between Davison Figueroa and Brandon Moreno, he made weight. And Anthony Smith, who is the backup for the main event, missed weight on his first attempt. And just saw moments ago from our own Guillermo Cruz, he missed weight again on his second attempt, weighing in at 206.5. Uh, not that it really matters at the end of the day because Glover and Jamal Hill both made weight. So I don't think Anthony really needs to get clobbered for this. Um, but yeah, that's the latest. I saw some people on Twitter were asking, did he weigh back in? Uh, the Brazilian beast himself just let us know in our Slack channel that he did weigh back in. And he weighed in at 206.5. So if something happens and one of those gentlemen is unable to fight, Anthony Smith could still step in. He would just be ineligible to win the title. So that's where we're at right now. Weigh-ins are in the books. We're a little over 24 hours away from UFC 283. A little over 24 hours away from the live UFC 283 watch party, which is going down 9.45 p.m. Eastern time myself. GC in the MMA Hour studio, getting it done. We can watch the card together. And if you don't want to pay 80 bucks for it, you could just watch with us. We can't show you the fights, obviously, but we will tell you everything that's happening that is of significance. So there you go. And I love this show. I love doing this show every day of the week, but I especially enjoy the Friday show because 
we can relax. We can talk about MMA. We can talk about the MMA media space. We can talk about a lot. We get a lot of pro wrestling questions on this show. We can talk about whatever the hell you want. And that's the beauty of Free For All Friday. So let's get into this thing. I'm done with my monologue, if you even want to call it that. So let's just do this. Double A was like ready to go. This dude, as soon as, soon as this space opens, he's like, let's go. Double A, what's up? Hello. I got you, man. <laughs> you, how you doing? You good? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Um, geez, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know where to start. Um, well, I just read. I can't. I, I just read this, and I c- couldn't believe my eyes when I read it that Diego Sanchez called out Nate Diaz for a bare, bare knuckle fight. I thought that was hilarious. I just want to know your thoughts on that, and um, just um, thoughts on this being Shogun's last fight um, and the career he's had. All right, heck of a heck of a morning, everyone. Take care of yourselves and peace. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that. I mean, look, I am not interested in watching Diego Sanchez fight anybody anymore. Uh, he's got his hands full <laughs> already with Austin Trout. Um, but listen, if you're going to do it, try to make as much money as you can. But I think he knows deep down... Nate ain't coming to BKFC. So, I mean, shoot your shot. Get yourself in the headlines. Why the hell not? But fight ain't going to happen. And it's probably not going to be a good night for him uh, when, he fights, when he fights at Knucklemania 3. But we'll see what happens. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is maybe – this, maybe, maybe Diego Sanchez was born for all this. Shogun Hua – and I know, like, a lot of people in here are – like some have been watching for a long time. Some have gone back to watch old fights. Some have relived the pride era and some came on during the first season, of the ultimate fighter. Some came on during the Connor surge, if you will. And some came on when the pandemic started, when there were no sports around. So fan- there's different generations of fans. So depending on who you ask, the story of Shogun Hua, how fans view Shogun Hua, are going to be completely different. But I'm here to tell you, and I know Jose Young's talked about this on BTL yesterday. Shogun Hua is going to go down in the annals of history as maybe the most underrated fighter of all time. He's just not going to get the flowers that he rightfully deserves. And his run in... 2005, like late 2004 through 2005, especially 2005. If you just go back and watch Shogun Hua's 2005 in Pride, you can make a strong argument that that was the greatest year of any fighter in the history of MMA. I mean, just go, if you just go to Tapology and look at the names and look at how he accomplished this, the violence that he put forth in that Grand Prix that he won, he came out of freaking nowhere and did that. Shogun is a freaking legend. This guy is a legend. And a lot of people are just going to remember him going to the UFC and the hype behind him. And then he kind of laid an egg against Forrest Griffin. And then he laid an egg against Mark Coleman. And then he kind of got it together and he won the belt. And 
a lot of people will remember the Dan Henderson fights. They'll remember John Jones just kind of annihilating him in that big changing of the guard moment. But Shogun's best work was well before the UFC. It was in pride. And Jesus Christ, like the types of performances that that guy put together in pride, especially in 2005, I mean, just some of the most violent, unbelievable, incredible performances. Taking soccer kicks and stomps away from Shogun Hua, I mean, that's like, that's like telling Ken Griffey Jr. to bat righty. It's, I mean, that was, he was just so good at those. Like, not only is it just violent the way he, that just hearing stomps and soccer kicks are violent enough, but he was like a poet. He was like a visual poet with, Soccer kicks and stomps, like so creative with them. The guy just isn't going to get enough credit. Is he like a top five fighter of all time? Probably not. Is he a legend of the sport? Absolutely. Is he a career? If you're, if you have downtime, if you have a day off or something and you're just like, I don't want to do much. I just want to watch old fights. I highly implore you to go back and watch the pride catalog of Mauricio Shogun Hua. Watch that Grand Prix run. It's fucking incredible. Like, it's, I, I can't do it justice. Quentin Rampage Jackson. Poor Quentin Rampage Jackson. He beat the shit out of that man. Like, we talk about... We talk about corners not stopping fights. Like, that was... That is one of like the worst examples where you're just like, oh my God, please, for the sake of Rampage, throw in the towel, stop this thing. And eventually the fight was stopped. But golly, man, Shogun, Prime Shogun was in pride. It was scary about Shogun. And it's something that I didn't really think about until I listened to Damn, They Were Good. I, I haven't finished it, but I started listening to it this morning. Is that Shogun Hua? Got into the UFC, and if someone had asked me, like, how old was – because I'm not great with numbers and memories. Like, there's things that I do remember. Um, but Jose, who's here with us, like, he's got the elephant's brain. But if someone was like, how old was Shogun when he entered the UFC? I would have said 29, 30, 31, just because of the run he was on and what he did in Pride. I just feel like he's a guy that was around forever. He was 20 freaking five. He was 25. What he entered the UFC. It's just crazy to think about. But yeah, Shogun deserves more than he's going to get. I feel like he's just going to be an underrated guy. He's an underrated guy now, and he's going to be underrated as his career comes to a close. And, you know, look, we're in, uh, we're in the media game. We got to be right down the middle. But as a, as a fan of the sport, there's a, there's a part of me that wants that happy ending for for Shogun Hua, and maybe he gets it in Brazil. We'll see. And as Jose said, Shogun could have held out for a Legends fight of some kind, but he's just like, all right, you want me to fight Eor Pretoria? Sure, I'll fight this dude that nobody really knows all that well. Yeah, I'll, I'll fight that guy, because that's just who he is. So, yeah, I could wax poetic on Shogun Hua forever. If you want more, Jose waxed poetically on BTL. You can go listen to Damn, They Were Good. 
Uh, it's Jed, Shaheen Alshadi, and the Brazilian beast himself, Guillermo Cruz, just running through the highs and some of the lows of the legendary career of Shogun Hua that will come to an end tomorrow night at UFC 283. Uh, Tristan was next. Hello, Tristan. Hey, my. Uh, sorry about yesterday. <laughs> just... so, hey, listen, that was incredible. <laughs> I, was just, I was just annoyed and frustrated, but it is what it is. As far as uh, Shogun is concerned, I, I didn't get to watch him until he got into the UFC, and I went back to watch him in Pride. So I'm like, oh, we're gonna get this. T- we're gonna get this guy, and it just it was just he was just a totally different fighter. It just wasn't the same. I guess I think Jed. I think Jed uh, mentioned it that once they took. Like once you get into the UFC and you can't do soccer kicks and stomps, that kind of like hurt his game, his uh, fighting ability a little bit because he was just known for that in Pride and just made him so amazing. So I think he got a little bit of hurt when he got into uh, the UFC, but he's still great. He was still great and still a legend. So it is what it is on that. My question is um, in regards of um, Neil Magny versus um, Gilbert Burns. I don't know if I did ask you this question before, but um, Gilbert Burns did say that he wants to finish Neil Magny. That that's going to be his intention. That he made it a point of emphasis that I have to finish this guy. I think because he wants to get back in title contention and he wants to make a big statement. And I'm saying to myself, I don't know if that's going to really happen because Neil Magny's hard to finish. That just you know when he got finished by when Neil Magny got finished by Shavkat, that just tells you how elite Shavkat is. And I think Gilbert Gilbert is as good, so I, I just it's just going to be really tough because Neil Magny before that before he got finished by Shavkat, I don't think he had been finished since Santiago, Santiago Ponzinibbio back in um, when that fight took place in Argentina. So, uh, I, how do you see how do you see that fight's going to go? Do you feel the same way like it's going to go to the decision and it could go either Gilbert or it could either go to Neil Magny? You know that's my question on that. And then um my. My other question is regards to Jelton Almeida. Um, you know, if he stays at heavyweight, do you feel moving forward for him that not gaining muscle or more size, that's not going to be an issue that if he gets to the top five where he fights, um, you know, Curtis Blades or even John Jones or even Stipe down the road in the future that him – not putting on extra muscle still won't be a problem for him, that he'll be just as successful. So uh, that's my question, Mike, and thanks for everything. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, Gilbert Burns, Neil Bagney is an interesting fight. Gilbert is uh, dude's a gamer. He just will fight anybody. The fight literally makes it makes like no sense for him to fight Neil Magny right now, considering where he's at, but that's just who Gilbert is. Um, I think it'll be somewhat competitive, but I I think this is going to be I – I don't know why. I have no real scientific evidence to back my theory here, but it's my dog, by the way. What a stunning revelation, sparking at just random people. Um, I feel like Gilbert's going to come in there with a big chip on his shoulder, fighting in Brazil – and I, I just I don't know. I mean, Magny is is Magny has length advantages. He's he's going to be the taller fighter. He could use us very well, but I don't know. Every time I like every time I think Neil Magny's get uh, going to get dump trucked. I mean, the Shafkat one was different, but Neil somehow just 
has a tremendous performance and gets it done. But I do feel like there's a lot going against Neil Magny here. So I feel like with where Gilbert is right now and where he wants to go, going out there and winning a decision is not going to be enough. And I think Gilbert knows that. I think he needs to go in there and run over Neil Magny and, and finish him. Do I think he'll just go in there and run him over? No. Uh, am I picking a finish for Gilbert Burns? Yes, I am picking a finish for Gilbert Burns. Uh, what is my exact I – wrote, I wrote this down. I think I picked a third-round submission, maybe second round. I don't know. It's I, I do I do feel like I do feel like Gilbert's gonna win and I think he's gonna get a finish. But I do think Neil Magny's gonna be competitive and he's gonna offer some challenges, but eventually I think Gilbert will get him down and I think Gilbert will be able to do his thing. He'll start to wear wear on Neil and eventually he's gonna find an opening and get a submission. So that's what I'm going with. I could be completely wrong, but that's just what my gut is telling me right now, and that's Mostly how I, I make my predictions. I just I, I feel like this is a really good stylistic matchup for Gilbert, but Neil De- can definitely present problems. He's a gamer. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts as well hello, hello. Man, how are you Good. so um regarding uh, UFC 283. Uh, how do you see um, the main event going? And in regards to, you know, Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny, is there a very strong chance, you know, um, where you reckon Neil Magny could win it uh, based on the fighter's chance? Or is Burns just going to have to do his thing and probably, you know, most likely showcase that? You know, he's still that elite Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy that we've known him for. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Second question, probably. But Gilbert could strike, too. He could freaking crack. Just ask Hamza Chamayev. Gilbert Burns can crack. But I would think Neil Magny would want to keep this standing as, as much as possible. Not that he's a slouch on the ground, but Gilbert's just really good down there. So, yeah, I think it kind of comes down to that. And Neil's just so game. He's so experienced that he's seen almost everything. But Gilbert's just really good. He's really solid. Main event, again, nothing would really surprise me. If Jamal Hill knocked out Glover Teixeira, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'd be like a little surprised, but I wouldn't be completely shocked. Because Jamal hits like a truck and he's younger and he's got nothing. I, like To me, Jamal Hill has nothing to lose here. Sure, it sets him back a little bit, 
but this division is a mess. I mean, it is a freaking mess. And if Jamal goes out and loses kind of short notice, a random fight that he was already prepared to fight Anthony Smith, and then after UFC 282, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to go to Brazil and fight Glover Teixeira for the belt. I mean, he's going to say yes to that. But if he loses in Brazil to Glover Teixeira tomorrow, like, it, it's a setback, but he's going to – another win or two, and he's right back in the mix. So Glover needs this way more than Jamal Hill does, in my opinion. So it's not like complete house money for Jamal Hill, but it's pretty damn close. And I think all I think the lion's share of the pressure is on Glover to share here. At home, he gets what he wants, gets to fight in Brazil. The clock is ticking. The hourglass has been flipped over. He just go went through that war with Yuri Prohashka. I mean, there's there's a lot riding on this one for Glover to share. And if Jamal Hill goes out there and loses, then so what? Like it's it'll suck for him. He he won't be happy, but he's lost before and he's come back from it. So having said that this to me, and I, again, I could be wrong. This is what my gut is telling me. This has Glover Teixeira, Jan Bohovic vibes written all over it where Jamal's going to try to crack him early. Glover's just going to tackle him, beat him up. Jamal is probably going to get to the second round and then second round, Glover's just going to do it again. And this time, Jamal won't be able to get up. And Glover's either just going to pound him out or he's going to submit him. But again, like I said, if Jamal Hill just goes out there and knocks Glover to share out in the first round, it, I would not be stunned. But to me, the two fights that stick in my brain with Jamal Hill that puts him at a disadvantage in this fight, in my eyes, and I know this game, it's all about evolution and Jamal's gotten better in certain aspects. And Jamal's a pr- actually a pretty good defensive wrestler too, but it's just once it gets down there, he has a little bit of an issue. So if he gets taken down, he might get up once, maybe twice, but third time with a guy like Glover on top of him, boy, it's gonna be a, it could be a very tough night for him. But the Paul Craig fight sticks out in my mind, and the Tiago Santos fight sticks out in my mind. And I know you might be thinking, well, you know, he won the Tiago Santos fight. Yeah, he did, but he also got taken down six times by Tiago Santos. Glover's not going to need six takedowns to beat Jamal Hill. He's not. So it's an interesting fight. There's different aspects to it that I'm intrigued by, but to me, I think Glover wins, puts him away in the second round, and I I honestly, I, I don't think this fight's all that competitive. I think Glover just tackles him, wins the first easily, and then he's going to tackle him again and and finish him in the second. But again, I could be wrong. But I was asked for an opinion, and that's that's it. That's the opinion. Rafid, hello. Hey, Mike. Hope you're having a good morning. Uh, I want to talk about uh, three fights. First, the main event. I got to disagree with you on this one, Mike. I think that Jamal Hill will finish Glover to share early. It's not going to be a long fight. That's what I think. I think Glover took too much damage against Yuri and that fight. But what I want to ask you is, can you see, like, if uh, Jamal Hill wins tomorrow, can you see, like, Alex Pereira move, move into light heavyweight? And uh, my other question is, uh, what do you think about Ismail Bonfim versus uh, Terrence McKinney? Because I think uh, a lot of people are writing Bonfim out. Do you think it's going to be more competitive than people think? 
And yeah, that's it. Hope you have an amazing weekend. Thanks, man. Hey, listen, you you are more than welcome to disagree with me. And like I said, Jamal Hill goes out there and just starches Glover in round one. Wouldn't be shocked. I just feel like this is a, a really tough matchup for him with someone as just with the, the, the grappling pedigree that, that Glover has. If Jamal wins, will Pereira go up? No. Why would he? Biggest fight, the, the the biggest fights for him right now are, I mean, obviously the Izzy fight is the biggest fight he can have. There's Shamayev. That's a bigger fight than Jamal Hill. And you can make a compelling case that Whitaker is a bigger fight than Jamal Hill. Like, he's got challenges. Like, Pereira is like, it's a changing of the guard in a way. Like, if he doesn't fight Izzy, he'll fight Whitaker. And to me, that is a bigger fight than Jamal Hill. I understand that double champ stuff, it, all that. But Pereira's a big dude anyways. And if he's just going to pump up to 205, like, and he wins, beats Jamal Hill, like, what's the point of going back to 185? It's, it's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got contenders at 185. He's got interesting storylines. And it, probably the three biggest fights he can have are at 185. So I don't think that happens. And I think 205 has enough horses right now. It's a mess, but I think you get enough horses. You could do Anthony Smith. You could do Ankoliath. Yambohovic is there. These are all like fresh matchups for Jamal. So, yeah, I don't think that happens. I do not think that happens. And then the, the Bonfi-McKinney fight's got to be fun as hell. I mean, I think, I think we know by now, like if you've watched Terrence McKinney fight, the dude's very well-rounded, but he is a freaking wrecking ball. And it's just about, can you survive that storm? Can you survive that storm? And if Bonfim can survive that storm and extend this fight, I ain't counting him out. I am not counting him out. But surviving that Terrence McKinney storm is very, very difficult to do. So if we get, if we get to like the seven-minute mark of this fight, and Bonfim still has his wits about him. Might not be a bad, might not be a bad live bet to, to take Bonfim. He'll probably be a plus money the way I see the fight playing up. But um, my official pick will be McKinney finishing him in the first round because he's just an absolute wrecking ball. But it, again, Bonfim, if he gets right around the six, seven minute mark and he's still good, yeah, I, he's got a very good chance to win. Uh, let's go to Brian. Then we'll go to Jordan. Brian, hello. Morning, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are thanks. You? I just wanted to touch on uh, them going back to Brazil. Um, personally, as a fan, I'm pumped. Brazil always brings that different type of energy, uh, which is always great to see. But I kind of like how they actually staggered this card. And usually, I'm a complainer with the UFC cards. Um, I kind of love that they end with Glover. And usually, I know they do the higher weight. Um, title fights uh, later or the last fight, but I think Glover ending it with sealing it in Rio with a submission over Jamal Hill in the second round is just going to be so perfect for that man. And then we can just finally look forward to that Yuri rematch. So I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on that. Um, or if you thought Moreno Figgy should have been the main event, um, which like merit wise, it should have been, but I understand why they went the other way, but thanks Mike. Hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. No, I, 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 a lot of people have asked me that not only, like on this show, but I've gotten like a ton of DMs about this. Like, should this have been, should Moreno, should Figgy Moreno 4 be the main event and on this one? Um, 
yeah, I mean, typically it is the higher weight class gets gets the mark, and I think Glover, being who he is and where he's at in his career, deserves the opportunity to headline at home. So I think it's laid out perfectly. But what's interesting is that, and this doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. The attention's on the co-main event. The attention is fully on the co-main event. Like we are intrigued by Teixeira Hill, and it's a, it's a fascinating fight, and it's a solid main event. And the story is there. Glover at home, career winding down, young, hungry whippersnapper Jamal Hill, ready to shut a lot of people up and win a title this quickly, probably a lot quicker than most expected him to. But man, Figgy Moreno, the story, everything, the history, the legacies on the line could be the, the close of a chapter. And it might not be either, which is so crazy to think about. So yeah, I think most of the hardcore attention is on the co-main event, the casual interest probably in the main event because that fight's probably not going to last very long. But the co-main event, Figgy Moreno, that fight is probably going long and there's going to be probably a ton of swings in it. And it's the, a close of a very important chapter in the 125-pound division. So, yeah, I, I understand. And I think we kind of... This is the inner Figgy Moreno four is the intercontinental title fight. It's Mr. Perfect versus Brett the Hitman Hart. And Tashera Hill is is very solid, but it's not as interesting stylistically as the co main event, if that makes sense. But yeah, I'm with you. And a lot of people have asked me about that. Let's go to Jordan. What's up, Jordan? Mike, heck of a morning. I just wanted to touch base on a couple of things. The recent news of Raul Rosas getting his fight on 287 against uh, fellow Wisconsin Christian Rodriguez. And then I also wanted to touch base with you on the recent, like, basically can't miss coach Eric Nixick's tweet on just kind of the UFC's involvement in letting the Derek Minner take the fight. Imagine if the UFC had healthcare for all those guys. So maybe he didn't have to take that fight to get it fixed. That's all I had to say. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. And the other part of it is, let me just pull it up real quick. Derek Minner. I mean, let's see where he's at right now. I mean, the Derek Minner has been fighting forever. I think I've actually seen him fight live a couple of times. Um, I could be wrong. I thought I saw him fight maybe once live. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe I haven't confused someone else. Maybe, maybe it's Kevin Kroon I'm confusing him with. But anyways, um, this would have been his one, two, three, four, five, sixth UFC fight. He was he had lost two in a row. He hadn't fought in almost a year. I agree with Eric, and I agree with Eric on a lot of things. Yeah, healthcare would make a huge difference. Um, but at the same token, it's also the fact that he hadn't fought in a year. Like, for a guy that's probably making entry-level money, maybe a step up, like, a lot in, the, in a lot of people's eyes in that situation, they're just like, well, I mean, I got to fight. Like, I got to fight or I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. Not going to be able to pay my bills. Not going to be able to pay my car note. Not going to be able to pay, pay my mortgage. So I got to fight. 
even if it's 15 and 15 and I got to pay coaches and I lose, like at least it's something I could buy groceries. I could do all this. Like it's tough, man. Like it's tough. Like I know there are fighters in that position who work like multiple jobs and things like that. But if you want to move up in the UFC, you have to find a way for most people to train full time and focus all of your energy on it. So while health insurance is crucial, it's other things as well. Like not fighting for a year is brutal. I mean, that could really take a hit on your bank account. So there's a lot of things in play here. And who knows with this whole, just the whole Kraus situation in general. Um, a lot of people are kind of pointing to that saying like, I don't know, I'm not going to throw any weird things out into the universe, but I think you probably know where people, some people are going with this, but yeah, there's a lot here. There's a lot. Health health insurance is one. It kind of goes back to fighter pay as well. But at the same token, he hasn't. He was booked. Like he was booked to fight Damon Jackson in June. Fight didn't happen, so we had to wait another five months because Minner had a concussion. And then at that point, it's just like sometimes you just got to do it. But you hate seeing any fighter in that type of situation, especially when they make it to the biggest promotion in the world. But. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Let's go to James. What's up, buddy? Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. I, um, I was listening to you and Jose Young yesterday kind of talk about the John Jones and Cyril Gone fight. If, um, if John Jones does John Jones type things, who's the next person you think the UFC will call a Stipe or a Survey a Pavlovich? And um, I want to. Congratulate you on your Celtics yesterday for a very yes. impressive win. And uh, good luck to your Patriots next next year. I like to see them in the postseason being a Chiefs fan. I always like our matchups with each other. And uh, have a heck of a morning, man. Enjoy the fights tomorrow. I'll tell you, last night was a great night for Boston sports. Celtics come from behind, steal one from the Warriors. It was such a beautiful thing to watch. Because there, I, I will admit, there's part of me that was just like, golly, this is, going back to Patriots terms, this is, this is the Indianapolis Colts. This is the Indianapolis Colts. They, we just can't beat this team. We just can't beat them. Like, we're, we're better than them. And I feel like they were better. I feel like healthy, they were better than Golden State in the finals last year. But Golden State just has our number. And, and, I, and I thought the same thing watching the game last night. And the Celtics turn it on and they win it overtime. And I was like, oh, exercise some of the demons anyways. And then the Bruins might just be the best freaking hockey team of all time. It's just, it's so comforting in such a weird way, especially in a sport like hockey, where every time you watch a Bruins game, like you just feel like they're going to win. Like even if they're down three to nothing, you're just like, eh, it's all right. They'll score four goals. They'll win. Because they win every game. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So I was very happy to, to see that all play out. As far as John Jones goes, yeah, Stipe will, prob- Stipe will probably be next because it's just the bigger fight. And then depending on that, I don't know. Because, again, we've talked about Francis and where he's at right now. And if John Jones goes out there and just – Rex Cyril gone and then Rex Stipe and he gets on the mic and calls for Francis and the fans get into a big uproar about it. Dana's going to be asked about it at the press conference, all that. 
who knows? Maybe they'll try again with Francis if he hasn't exclusively locked himself down with anybody. And then if that doesn't happen, probably be the winner of Curtis Blades versus Sergey Pavlovich whenever that fight happens. Because that's probably going to be the fight. And that's a super interesting one. And you got to feel for, like, if, if they book that fight for, like, March or April and Curtis Blades beats Sergey Pavlovich and then <laughs> he has to watch Stipe come back and fight for the belt over him, golly, man. Like, the UFC will absolutely do that. I just don't – it would get to a point where it's just, like, what else does this guy have to do to get a title shot? At that point, if I'm Curtis Blades, I ain't fighting anybody. I'm just waiting. I'm pulling, I'm pulling the Tyron Woodley card. Uh, let's go to Ani. Hello. So, I, mean, I don't have any questions in specific. It's just that I just want to have a short conversation with you. So let's keep it that way. Uh, I always wanted to ask you. Is there any chance that you do the on to the next one uh, in the Twitter space in such a way that, you know, we get the chance to actually speak to you? I mean, this is not my only question. I'm just asking you this. No, because, I mean, the, the show takes a long time anyways. Like, we usually go for an hour and a half. And if we start taking just fan questions, like, we're going to be here all day. So um, probably not. I think... Uh, the formula is there and it's working. So I think we'll probably stick to where we're at. Not saying that it could never happen, but you know, I think we offer some different things. We do the podcast most times. And then after pay-per-views, we go live. So we give people the chance to, to, to chime in. We pull the questions on the screen. We take the last 10, 15 minutes, just pull everything up and react to them. So um, we'll probably just stick with that. But who knows? No, that, because, you know, if he had the chance to act, actually talk to you and AK about the, about the matches, that would be fun. But still, you know, with the way it's going, uh, that is absolutely nice uh, when you uh, shout out the doo-doo picks, as <laughs> you like to call it. <laughs> and um, again, so before I talk about it, I would like to apologize to you and everyone listening uh, to me right now. So it, it's about the slap fighting thing. I, I know that we, we are in a very good mood. We are talking about uh, UFC 283, but I just have a question, man, you know. And I, I feel guilty asking this question because uh, entertainment shaming is a real thing. So there have been days when, you know, when I'm watching uh, mixed martial arts, you know, you know, usually um, in India, when I was watching it on TV, they were just airing the Max Holloway and Calvin Cater fight. And I was watching, we had reached the fifth round. Then one of my relatives just walked in. He looks at the fight. You know, in fifth round, Calvin Cater is a bit busted up, isn't he? So, and I was getting all hyped up when Max Holloway was shouting, I'm the best boxer in UFC. And then my relative tells me that, you know, you're watching all this. It is going to make you an aggressive person. It's going to make you a violent person. So the thing is, because I watch mixed martial arts, I've been branded as aggressive because I like listening to metal. I mean, I'm a huge Metallica and Iron Maiden fan. I've been uh, told that I am an aggressive person. It's that, you know, the what I 
choose to entertain myself with i am being judged on like my passion is not being given uh, any respect the reason i'm saying this is because i i'm going to do the same thing now i'm literally going to do the same thing now do you seriously think all those athletes if you would like to call them athletes who are participating in the slap fighting championship or whatever power slap or whatever it is called i don't even know what it is do you think they are passionate for the sport it's not even a sport what the fuck i'm talking about it's not even a sport do you think they are passionate about it and i just don't understand it mike i seriously don't understand you know when someone is sitting back and thinking okay tbs hosts aw dynamite aw dynamite i mean against your opinion of course i know you didn't like it but it is a good professional wrestling show and now immediately following aw dynamite you're you're putting the slap fighting thingy i mean people can say that mixed martial arts is also as violent and if not even more violent but there is one major difference mike there's one major difference right before the referee st- says fight he says protect yourselves at all times obey my commands at all times when i say stop you stop and in slap fighting what do they say ready steady slap i don't know man you you see what i mean this is what i wanted to just share you know just give me your thoughts on it um yes that is it for me thank you so i'll take jose in a second cuz he's gotten to speak to some of these athletes but yeah i mean i think you kind of have to be passionate about it if you're just going to stand there and get slapped in the face like you're standing at a family feud podium and instead of you know answering a, a survey question you're getting slapped in the fucking face um I'm just, I'm, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I honestly, I don't get, like, do what you want to do. Uh, if you're passionate about getting slapped and slapping people, then good on you. But I ain't watching that shit. Like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. And just seeing everybody react to how stupid it is, um, is pretty crazy. I will say this, um, and then I'll address something else. Uh, the AEW product has gotten better. Um, I still don't get the Young Bucks. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. The match with that they had on Wednesday was was not awful. Um, it was actually pretty good, but like the whole trio series was so. I, I mean, it was just so. I, I didn't understand it. Like none of it made sense. Um, but there, I mean, there was some good stuff. Like MJF's the best in the business, in my opinion. I will, I will literally watch until he does whatever he's going to do, and then I'll turn it off. But yeah, I was not watching Power Slap. And the ratings were hilarious. 295,000 people watched that. And they promoted the shit out of that thing. Promoted the shit out of it. Like, you couldn't have promoted it more on TBS. And you had almost a million people watching AEW at that time. You had them. You had them. They saw 817 commercials and promos for Power Slap. A million people. And they kept maybe, they didn't keep a third of them for that show. That is going, that shit is going to tank. It is going to tank so badly. 
And you want to know why? Because my first reaction was, I can't believe they got 295,000 people to watch that. And in the ratings thing, that is a disastrous number coming out of AEW. Disastrous. Like, if you're the UFC, you are freaking right now. But to me, like, my biggest thing was, like, I can't believe they got that many people to watch. Yeah, that thing is going to tank big time. And, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's just enough people out there that just want to watch this, but I just don't see it. I have not seen, outside of Connor saying he's he could be the Joe Rogan of Power Slap, I have not seen one positive thing about it. Not one. From anybody. This has to be... And what made what, what made it worse... And again, I didn't watch a single second of it. I'm just going by what I saw on Twitter and listening to people, how they reacted. This has to be a cash buy. Like, this has to be. Because at first, I'm thinking like, well, you know, TBS could just shut this thing down. But the same token, TBS is probably getting paid by the U.S. And I don't know this for fact, but it just seems this way especially seeing how everything went down on a Wednesday. Jay Briscoe passed away. It was a horrible situation. The entire wrestling world was mourning this guy. And AEW wanted to do like tributes to him throughout Dynamite. And Warner reportedly wouldn't allow it to happen. And then Dana White comes on the screen at the beginning of Power Slap saying something to the effect of, you don't know what's great about this sport. If you don't like somebody, you can just go up there and slap him in the face. Like, what the fuck is that? We can't pay tribute to Jay Briscoe because of things that he said and tweeted 10 years ago or however long it was, but Dana White, who's caught on video slapping his wife, can talk about, hey, if you don't like somebody, you can just slap him across the face. Like, that's just, it's just so ridiculous. It makes no sense. I am very, like, the ratings of the first show are really terrible, but it's not even that. I'm, it's always the week after that I'm, that I'm more intrigued by. Because I just don't, I just don't see a world where more than 295,000 people are going to watch that shit. It's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. That's all I'm going to say about it. I, I, like I said, we are not, like, we'll cover the ratings and we'll cover, and I will be the first to rush to my computer when I've, when the word comes down that Power Slap not getting renewed for a second season on TBS, I will be the I will write that thing so fucking fast, it'll be great. But that's just so stupid. But to answer your question, yeah, I think the fighters are probably the people who participate in it are passionate about it because you, you kind of have to be uh, if you're going to do something like that. And you know, if that's what they want to do, cool. But I ain't watching it, so. Have a happy life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jose, do you want to chime in on this? Whoop, Mike was muted. Yeah, man, I actually talked to all the fighters, or 
I don't know what we defer, refer to them as slappers or fighters or power slap athletes. I have the terminology somewhere in a piece of paper the UFC gave me at that uh, press conference in New York at Radio City Music Hall. Oddly enough, that's where the power slap uh, press conference was. Um, I don't think we can we should blame the athletes uh, for for anything in this, considering I talked to them and people hating on them. Point your energy somewhere else. It's very, very strange to me that you're hating on yeah. the athletes, um, especially on Twitter. Like I just, or even on this show, I don't quite understand why people are complaining about the athletes. Because I went up to interview all of them. Hey, why are you doing this? And they're all like, "Well, I like to fight, and they're giving me a lot of money. Well, r- money. I say a lot of money. Like that's relative. They go, I'm getting paid to do this. Like I'm gonna get money to do this." A lot of them are like former fighters that, you know, they've responded to an ad saying there was an alternative martial art. Some guys were former high school football players. There was one of them. I, I can't remember the, the exact event. It was like the Highland Games. That's what it was. It's like a tough man competition. And they're just like, hey, I'm getting paid. This is a paycheck. I'm doing this. And I've always wanted to be win a championship belt. Might as well get paid to do it. So be it. I the hate for the athletes, I don't quite understand. Hate for the product is subjective. I, it's not my bag of tea. Outside of the brain trauma or people calling it dumb, it's just boring. Like, the product is boring. If they had done something exciting, I could, I would have admitted this product is very exciting. It's just not my bag of tea. Motocross is boring to me, but they put on an exciting product. This had not none of that. The product was like, it's, it's just rinse and repeat people getting slapped in the face. It's just really nothing. Um, and I, if you like it, all power to you. I don't quite find enjoyment in it, but that's because the product is boring to me. But I also think we need to normalize. I've been saying this forever. Just normalize what people like that do likes metal and likes MMA. Cool, man. I like AEW. Cool. Mike doesn't like AEW. Neat. It's normalized what you like. The young bucks are doing whatever they want to do. Some people like old style wrestling, like Mike. I thoroughly enjoy that style of wrestling. The uh, MJF, uh, LA Knight stuff that they always did. But then you got the flippy people like the young bucks. I completely understand where people hate that. But I grew up in a brown household where Lucha Libre was kind of the thing. And I completely understand why people also like it. So that's my parting message. Normalize enjoying what you like. Stop judging people for what they enjoy. This is coming from a man sitting in front of about 7,000 comic books right this very second. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's my thing. Don't blame the athletes. If you don't want to watch, you're one of a lot of people that tuned out. That should be enough. Well said. Uh, I do agree with you in a lot of ways with that. Um, I don't blame the athletes either. But, I mean, I don't know. It ain't, it ain't for me. So don't worry about that. Uh, I will say, uh, the, the thing I probably enjoyed most about AEW on Wednesday was Brian Danielson versus Bandito. That was frigging cool. That was amazing. That's where you can take the modern style and mix it in with, like, the style I like and just kind of interweave it and put it all together. And it told a story and it made sense. And... I don't know. I, I, was, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it much more than the Young Bucks top flight match, which I did like. I was like, all right. Cool stuff. But Bandito Brian Danielson was, was awesome. But yeah, I do 
I agree with Jose. I don't blame the, I don't blame anybody for doing whatever they have to do uh, to make money and take care of their family. And as long as it's legal and that is legal. So, but yeah, not for me. Uh, Rips and picks is next. And four corner sports is on deck. And then we'll get to Toke and Terrence and Sean, and then, and then we'll probably have to get out of here. Rips and picks hello. What's up, Mike? Um, just got a question here for you because you were talking about Shogun earlier. And, you know, th- this question really is just kind of about retirement. Um, you know, in Shogun's media interview this week with MMA Junkie, he said he's pretty much going to retire after this fight. This is it. Um, and, you know, just last year, Gustafson comes out of retirement to fight Krylov, first-round KO loss. Frankie Edgar's in his hometown at MSG versus Chris Gutierrez, first-round KO loss. Um, both, you know, obviously Frankie saying, I'm going to retire. This is my last one. Scott Holtzman just recently said, I'm going to retire before his fight against Clay Guida. Wrestled for 15 minutes, loses decision. Um, like a more memorable moment to me is Brad Pickett, I remember, on his last fight in, in the O2 arena against Marlon Vera. Third-round KO loss. Um I mean, if, if you want to go on an actual list of guys usually saying that they're going to retire, this is their last one, it's just such a horrible track record. So Shogun's facing a much lower-level opponent than all those fighters I mentioned, but I can't shake the retirement aspect. So my question, Mike, is just what do you think the chances are that Shogun really has a fairy tale ending here in Brazil? Thanks, Mike. Pretty good. I mean, it's it's – with all the examples that you just laid out, a lot of times, like like the Frankie Edgar one, I think a lot of us felt pretty squeamish about that one. Like some of us felt like, yeah, maybe Frankie can wrestle him and eke something out. But I think a lot of us kind of thought and realized that it, unless Frankie just goes out there and blows the doors off Chris Gutierrez, like not only is he going to get beat up, but he's going to get beat up for long periods of time. Uh, that didn't happen there because he just ate a flying knee and was knocked out. And it was horrible to watch. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of us expected it to go that way. This is just, it's kind of a weird, kind of a weird fight. To to put it mildly, like Ihor Pretoria is coming off of a loss. Like you're not, this is different. Like Gutierrez has won like five, like a lot of times in these spots, you're using the name to get over somebody else. And that's not happening here. Ihor Pretoria, no matter what he does to, to Mauricio Shogun, who wins, loses, talks about in 10 seconds, wins the decision, ain't going to do much for him because he, he, it was, it'd be his first UFC win. I don't see star potential there or anything like that. Um, so I feel better about this one. I, cause I think, I think Shogun can win. Like it's a the betting odds. I, I think Pretoria is like a minus two hundred or minus two hundred five or something like that. Um, Shogun is live, man. He can win stylistically. He can win. He can just go in there and do Shogun things. Now, the one thing I, that concerns me is like the one thing that always has concerned me about Shogun Hua is that he can't. It's not that he can't. He just chooses not to block anything or defend anything offensively from a striking perspective at all. And Pretoria, uh, Poteria can, can crack, man. He can crack. But 
Shogun can crack too. I'm hoping for the happy ending. I feel more confident in a happy ending than I did with Frankie Edgar. So, yeah, I think we're going to get our happy ending. I think we're going to get it. And I hope we do. This will just be a cool moment. Four Corner Sports. Hey, alone. Mike. Hi, good morning. Um, I wanted to talk to you about two things. Um, with Anthony Smith missing weight, uh, what are the chances of him, you know, getting closer towards a title shot? Um, I know he was supposed to be the backup fighter. I think he missed weight the first time by three pounds or something of that discrepancy. And uh, the second thing I wanted to talk about, now that they pretty much filled out a layout of the first quarter of 2023, I know they haven't announced anything as of yet for April. But if we're looking at, at the all the champions that have fought recently, you know, January would be, you know, for the light heavyweight title. Um, February, you're knocking two birds with one stone with um, Volkanovski as the featherweight champion fighting Islam Ahashev, right? And I know you have the interim title as the co-main event. Um, March, uh, for both March uh, pay-per-view cards, you have the heavyweight and you have the welterweight. That leaves you with, what's it called, um, the, the middleweight title. And Oh, I forgot to mention the, the flyweight title for, that's on this card. You have the middleweight title that's available to be used for, for potentially April. Um, the flyweight, um, I'm sorry, the, the strawweight title with Zhang Wei Li. Um, would you even consider putting Amanda on this March card on March, what is it, 4th? Because I think that they should just try to space it out. They don't need to put a third title fight for the John Jones card. Um, and then, I mean, like, what's it called? Then you're going to have potentially maybe a pay-per-view down the line with no title fights. I don't know. What's your opinion? What do you think is going to end up happening for potentially they're the using um, for April and May? All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, I would say Bantamweight in some way, shape, or form will probably be in one of those. Whether it's Sterling, Cejudo, or they do Sterling O'Malley, or not Sterling O'Malley, uh, Cejudo O'Malley for an interim title, I would assume there. Um, CC Legaspi reported, I think it was earlier today, maybe it was last night, um, that the Nunez-Aldana fight is not being targeted for March 4th anymore. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Shevchenko Grasso is not done for March 4th either. It's still up in the air. The fight's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, it seems like Nunes Aldana will probably happen as well, but March 4th looking unlikely. Because you don't need, like, you don't need three title fights on that card with John Jones and Cyril Gunn. You don't. So, you, yeah, space them out. As far as April goes, April 8th is going to be UFC 287. Um, a lot of people feel like Brooklyn is far and away the front runner. Uh, I was told by multiple people yesterday, uh, Brooklyn is in play. Miami is also in play. So from conversations I've had, it's either going to be Brooklyn or Miami. It's like 50-50. There's no real front runner right now. It's one or the other. If it happens in Miami... Amanda Nunes is fighting on that card, for sure. And if it happens in Brooklyn, maybe she fights on that card too. But I think it kind of depends on where this card ends up happening on how they space this out. Because if it's in Brooklyn and Sterling can fight, it kind of makes sense to put Sterling in New York. But we'll see. But you got options. I mean, middleweight's there. 
Pereira's talked about it already that maybe they'll go with Whitaker instead of Adesanya. I don't know. But they'll have options. I mean, they'll, they'll definitely have options. Like, light heavyweight's going to be defended tomorrow. Flyweight's going to be defended tomorrow. Not to, light heavyweight's not going to be defended, but hopefully there'll be a light heavyweight champion. We'll figure it out. Let's go to Toke. And then we'll go to Terrence and Sean, and then we're getting out of here. Yes, I can. Sort of between the links, where Jose Youngs is, of course, on the Pooch and Gano team. So welcome on the welcome on the team. We're going to have a great clown fiesta. It's going to be nice. Um, so my my primary thing here is is um and the headline is going to be is Joan Josia Nunes being uh, held hostage. And what I mean by that is, if she beats Sarah Fern tomorrow, then what in the world is in her future? I don't get it because. <laughs> We, I know you've talked about this a lot, but the UFC basically neither has a bantamweight division or a featherweight division for women. And I feel like she would almost be able to reach the final of the PFL lightweight tournament if they had one. I don't know if they have one this year um, because they built that around Kayla and all that stuff. And that's kind of up in the air, I think. So I'm just wondering what the hell is in Josiane Nunes' future because if she's going to fight at featherweight now, it just seems like there's nothing for her in the UFC at all. So that's all I got, Mike. Hey, who knows? Maybe maybe Amanda wants to fight at 145. We do hashtag Nunes versus Nunes. I don't know. She's super fun to watch. She's probably going to go out there and do something vicious tomorrow. But she's just fun to watch. Like she's just like so much smaller than everybody, but she hits like a truck. But yeah, there's just not much of a division right now. I know like Chelsea Chandler is kind of a tweener and she's super fun and aggressive. She was supposed to fight. Who is she supposed to fight? Leah Letson at 135. Um, Letson pulled out of the fight and then she ended up fighting. She ended up fighting somebody else. I forget. Uh, Stolyarenko, I think. And then Chelsea just beat her up and finished her. And Chelsea said she wants to fight at 145 next. You can do that fight. That's a banger. That's super fun. But yeah, there's just not a, there's not a ton after that. You can go to Bellator. Bellator's got a featherweight division. But she's just fun to watch. So she just hits like a truck. She's got like Andrade vibes to her. Not to the same extent, but I think you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I expect her to do very mean things tomorrow night uh, when she fights Zara Farron. Let's go to my man Terrence. Terrence, hello. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Good. I haven't um, been on in a, probably a few weeks, um, so I don't know if you guys talked about it. I recently purchased my ticket to C1 in um, Colorado, so I'm pretty excited about that. I was nice. wondering if you guys were, well, of course, I'm pretty sure you guys are going to cover it, and I'm pretty sure Jose 
it's going to be one of the people that are out there being that he's probably the closest. Um, what do you guys think would need to be done to be for this event to be successful, like for it to be a successful American run and like to get people eyes on it? I think they need to get some kind of like celebrities or people of note out there um, to get eyeballs on it. I just want um, both you and as well as Jose to be able to put on your promoter's hat. Like, what would you do to make sure this was like successful? That's all I got for you. Thank you. I mean, you should probably just load it up with names people recognize. That'd be a great start. I mean, you got DJ Marias. Sage Northcott hasn't fought in forever. That'd be a good name to put on that card. I mean, I know Roberto Soldi just isn't American, but most hardcore MMA fans in North America know who Roberto Soldich is. So that'd be a cool addition. And just do what you did the first time around when you were on Amazon. Just promote the crap out of it. Tell people it's happening. Get them on shows. Get them everywhere. Like DJ and Marias, especially with the Amazon platform, those two dudes, especially DJ, should be everywhere in the build to that card. They should be on... And I'm not just talking like MMA shows. I'm talking like big shows. Like get them on MTV or get whatever. Get them on big shows to ha have them promote this card. Like get out there and promote it. This is a very big deal. This is huge for them. This needs to go well. So yeah, just promote it. What they did the first, like the first prime card when they did DJ Mariah's 2, I mean, they shoved it down your throat. And it was great. They promoted it. It was all over the place, no matter where you went, on social media or wherever. If you followed MMA, they reminded you that this card was happening. And we watched it. And the whole card was fun. Like, it was fun. And the production was great. Everything about it was great. And then it just seemed like, which one does a lot, the success of one event, they just feel like it's just automatically going to continue. And that's... Not really what happened. Sure, you're on pro like you're on Amazon, which is a very big deal, and most people have it. And you can just go on Amazon Prime and like you see the banners, and that's cool. But the fact that a a, a huge amount of people found out Roberto Soldich was making his one debut on this show the day before and had no idea on this show in this room is a problem. So fix that, promote it, get a lot of names on this card. Sage would be a great name to have on it. Yeah, that, that, that's a start. That's a very big deal. It's a very big deal, that card. It's got to go well. You can't just assume that billions and billions of people are going to watch it. You got to go out, you sell out this arena. You got to do the damn thing. You got to do the thing. Do the thing. Don't just assume people are just going to watch it. John, are you there? Hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing? Uh, good and you, man. Good. I was wondering about, like, the heavyweight division. Like, does it make sense to give Stipe the next title shot after Jones and gone? Because I think if the UC does do Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades, I think the winner of that is a real, like, uh, contention to get the next title shot, seeing as Tipe has been out for almost two years. And also with 
Mighty Mouse fighting in one recent, uh, coming up. If he wins, does that make him like the best flyweight MMA fighter ever? Good question. I mean, it's probably there anyways. I still, to this day, and some of you might just say that I'm a hater. Um, I think I've been very clear about the Henry Cejudo thing. Um, big fan of his fighting career. Un, almost unmatched resume as a combat sports athlete. Uh, tremendous mind. Great coach. Anyone who's worked with him has said glorious things about him. That's all well and good. Henry's just the worst retirer maybe in the history of sports. Like he, he fumbled this thing so badly and he's fumbled it just as badly on the comeback. And it's just crazy to me. Having said that, I still think DJ beat Henry in that rematch where Henry won the belt. Close fight, not a robbery, but I thought DJ won that fight. So I think he's already there. I don't count the Adrian. I, I don't count the Marias loss as like a flyweight loss. Um, and I didn't even like. I didn't even count his win as a flyweight win. And I won't probably won't count this one as a flyweight win because Adrian Marias is like a featherweight. <laughs> It's like 155 pounds, for God's sake. He's huge. There's no way he's 125. And this is one, so it's different. So, like, flyweight's supposed to be bantamweight, and bantamweight's supposed to be featherweight. Like, it's a rankings conversation we have all the time with our rankings. It's like, do we rank DJ as a bantamweight, or do we rank DJ as a flyweight? Because DJ's not fighting at 125. He's fighting at 135. It's just, I don't know. It's weird to think about. But to answer your question, TJ's already the best flyweight of all time. It's going to take a lot to, for somebody to take that away from him. But yeah, DJ's the flyweight goat by a long shot. And who knows? Maybe someone will take that. Take that spot from him in the next five to ten years. But it's going to take a long time and a lot of wins. Uh, Musco Manda. Hello. Don't hear anything. All right. Pressure's on, John Ray. Take us home. Yes, sir. I was here it goes. Uh, Mackenzie oh, wait. I got you now. Uh, you would that stop bring she missed over the long time. She's pretty the way John if you can find a better spot try again I don't know if if, I'm a little older I don't know if any of you have seen Wayne's World 2 when they try to order at the drive-thru and they're trying to prank the guy at the drive-thru window by ordering but only like skipping half of it by saying like I want to that's kind of what John sounded like there at least um We'll give Muscomando one more shot. But yeah, that Wayne's World 2 vibes. Not your fault, John. Just got to find a better spot to connect. Do we have you, Muscomando? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just here to say that I'm a big fan of you. Oh, thanks, man. Much appreciated. Um, okay. Well, don't know if we're getting John back. 
I think we've done okay here. I think we've set the table nicely for a fun card tomorrow. And if you feel like the table hasn't been set well enough that all the, the forks and knives and cups and plates are all on the table, join us a little over two hours from right now on the MA Fighting YouTube channel. It'll be myself, Shaheen Alshadi, the wise wordsmith, and AK, the Prince of Positivity. And we will have our live preview show, 1.30 Eastern. And we're going to talk about the big fights, main event, the co-main event, main car. We'll talk about the low-key bangers. We'll take some questions from the peeps. And it'll be a lot of fun. And then I will finish up my shift. I will go to bed. I will hang out with my family first and foremost. And I'm going to go to bed early because i got to be up at like 3.30 in the morning to get ready to go to Savannah Airport and then fly to New York because the UFC 283 watch party is going down tomorrow night. Live from the MMA Hour studio, myself, GC, special guests, including Jose Youngs, watching the fights with us. And it's going to be a lot of fun. 9.45 p.m. Eastern. Do not miss it tomorrow night. But the preview show coming up 1.30 p.m. Eastern today. So join us for that. So until then, everybody, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for another great week. Have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.